Welcome to the Kids Corner, where we explore sensory processing, development, and play with purpose as it pertains to eating, sleeping, playing, and growing. On this podcast, we will educate you on the lesser-known topics, give practical tips and tricks to help elevate your practice, and provide resources for families and caregivers. We are your hosts... I'm Bean, the co-founder of Reu and a recovering paraplegic. And I'm Nancy, a kinesiologist specializing in pediatrics, facilitating learning and development through movement and play therapies. And today we're talking to a few people from First Steps Wellness Center in Regina. First Steps is a specialized rehabilitation facility that was established in 2010 to promote functional recovery in individuals with a spinal cord injury. I first attended First Steps in 2013, and that was my first interaction with activity-based training, and that's where I initially fell in love with it, so I hold a special place in my heart for these amazing people. At First Steps, they recognize potential, not limits, which is something we firmly believe at Ryu as well. They have their kids program that launched in 2016 and has helped a number of kids and families and is making a huge impact in the community in Regina and in Saskatchewan as a whole. They also offer para-sport training and a bunch of other programs as well. And so we'll get into more of that once we get to the meat of our episode today. Today we're talking to two of their team members, Sandy Marshall and Erica Brown. And I'm really, really excited to have them on our podcast today because, like I said, I hold a very special place in my heart for First Steps. And we're just super grateful to have you guys. So welcome. Thank you so much. Well, okay, let's get into this. So, Sandy, maybe we'll start with you. I'll get you just to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about you. Sure. I'm Sandy Marshall. I'm the manager here at First Steps. I guess kind of a background about me. I grew up in the mountains of BC. I grew up pretty outdoorsy and athletic with my family. Played a lot of sports and kept busy doing that. I moved back to Saskatchewan about... 2005. Finished up my degree here and and have uh, started my family in Saskatchewan. So yeah. Awesome. What is your degree in? I have a degree in kinesiology, majoring in adapted physical activity. Ah, cool. That's right up our alley as well. (laughs) (laughs) Erica, what about yourself? So hi, I'm Erica Brown. I run the children's program here at First Steps Wellness Center. I am born and raised Regina, never thought I'd live in Regina, but then I found this fantastic company to come work for and didn't leave. (laughs) I did my university degree at the U of R, so I have a degree in kinesiology, human kinetics. I wrote my CPT, so certified personal trainer through CSEP, so the Canadian Society of Exercise Physiology, and I had that for a few years. And then probably five or six years ago, I wrote my CEP, so a clinical exercise physiologist with them, and that's what I use here. I didn't play as many sports as Sandy because I specialized in swimming, so we were quite dedicated to just having one sport back in that time frame. Mm -hmm. Um, So I competitive swam for 14 years. I've coached for about the same, and that's about it. Wow, that's awesome. Well, we're happy to have you guys here, and we have a lot of questions for you. Okay, so Sandy, why don't you give us a bit of like background history on First Steps and how many centers do you guys have currently? So 15 years ago, around, 
our co-founder here at First Step, Chris Lysenko, he suffered a spinal cord injury while he was out in Quebec on a lacrosse scholarship. He was back in Saskatchewan doing his inpatient rehab, and he kind of found there was nowhere for him to go once he was done with inpatient therapy. Mm-hmm. He wasn't really too happy with that, and he wanted to make some functional progress. So he found a place in the United States called Project Walk, which I know Bean has been to as well. And he really liked what it offered and the gains that he made just from being there for you know a month or two. And he came back to Saskatchewan, partnered up with our other co-founder, Owen Carlson, who's also our executive director. And after a lot of hoops and trials and tribulations and trying to get a lot of funding, they opened 10 years ago what's now First Steps Wellness Center. So initially opened as a spinal cord injury rehab facility under Project Walk. And once we kind of parted ways with Project Walk and continued on as a nonprofit charity, we also continued to grow in our neurorehabilitation center. So we are still specializing in activity-based therapy, but we're also helping to improve function for individuals, not only with SCI, but also other neurological conditions such as stroke, brain injuries, and MS. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, that's how I initially first found you guys was I heard about Project Walk. And then my mom was researching and saw that you guys were an affiliate. That's how that story began. (laughs) (laughs) So currently, right now, we have two open first set facilities, one in Regina here and one in Winnipeg, Manitoba. And then a third one slated to open in summer of 2021 in Quebec, based out of Sherbrooke. Awesome. Right now, yeah. That's really good. I love hearing that. Cool. So then how did you get involved in First Step, Sandy? I think, like, as I kind of said when talking about myself, I was always outdoorsy and athletic, and I think that gave me the interest in anatomy and the body and how it works and that. Mm -hmm. And then I think also, without me even realizing it, my dad has a muscular degenerative disease, So I think that played a big role in my interest in disability and the way the body functions and the ability of rehab and that kind of stuff. So that was kind of my background for liking this field and everything. I graduated from the U of R with a kin degree and then I worked in the healthcare field for five years and started my family. And I came across an ad for an exercise therapist position at First Steps in 2013. So... That was kind of the big start. Owen obviously decided in the end he wanted to hire me. So I worked as a therapist here for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And then I was offered a management role when I came back off of another maternity leave in 2016. So now that's kind of what I focus on. I still get to work as a therapist on the floor a little bit, but Mm -hmm. the back end role of uh, First Steps now. Oh, that's awesome. So let's get into your children's program. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about the children's program and what is unique about it. Sure. Back in 2014 or 15, Owen, our executive director, he was out at a conference and somebody asked him, do you guys work with children? He said, well, no, we don't really. (laughs) And then on the way home, him and another therapist were thinking, you know, like, why don't we work with children? And we started really looking into it and what it might entail as we knew that we couldn't just continue to use the same ABT methods alone as we were Mm -hmm. the adult program. Mm -hmm. 
So we started looking into some different training, some different fundraising, different equipment we might need. And we came upon the TheraSuit method. So decided to do our training with that and the equipment with that. As Nancy knows, she was here for that training as well with us. Mm-hmm. Awesome yeah. introduction to our connection there. Mm-hmm. And then we wanted to really have kind of two sides to it. So we do the intensives in our children's program and we do a customized programming. So that's just for kids that aren't able to commit to the intensives. That's for all children with neurological and neuromuscular conditions. Something that's made our program, I think, really unique is that it's quite comprehensive. So we include ABT and the TheraSuit method. And then to try to close the gap that we found was a little bit maybe missing on our side of things, it's some further training in MNRI reflex integration mm-hmm. and yes for children. So that's been really nice to kind of tie all those links together and be able to provide all that in one facility. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And then the last thing that we've just put into play in the last year or so is a grant program. So we found that it's really hard for a lot of families and children with disabilities to afford therapy. Yeah, for sure. We all know we're community-based. We're not government-funded, same as you guys. So there is a cost for these families, and it can be a lot when they have to do as many hours as they do. So we were able to find some funders that our families can apply for a grant, and it covers up to half their monthly invoice costs. So it's been a really nice benefit for the families. Yeah, that's awesome. That is part of and has been always part of our future plans as well. But I love that you guys are doing it and are able to provide that financial assistance too. It is a huge part. I think it's been really important for some of the families that otherwise they wouldn't be able to be here. So yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of barriers. Finances being one of the biggest ones for sure. So you touched on it a bit, but like how much community support have you guys gotten as a whole and then as for like the kids program? Yeah, I think it's been kind of up and down depending on where you are. So parts of Saskatchewan might have jumped on board right away, whereas others had some reservation with exercise therapy, and ABT, and just community-based rehab in general being a little bit of a new field. Mm-hmm. So we've been able to get some good key stakeholders on board and it's grown a lot lately. And as we continue to get more kids, as you guys know with your program, it kind of snowballs from there. So, Mm -hmm. so that's been really nice, but yeah, it was a little bit slow at the beginning and we are happy to be able to have had some help from the community groups for the grants. That's helped a lot. And we're just going to keep trying to push forward in our field and keep working for ABD. Yeah, I mean, us too. And we feel the same thing that anytime you have any kind of new technology or new program that hasn't been widely accepted, there's always some resistance with that. Yeah, it's been nice having some really main key people on board to really back what we do and try to continue it going across Canada. So yeah, that's awesome. We love it. All right, Erica, we're going to move to you. So can you give us a little bit more, I guess, background on how you got into First Steps? Uh, I know you told us about your different courses and certifications, but do you want to get into, yeah, that whole First Steps side? What made you join them and where did it all start? Yeah, so my story about how I got into First Steps is in university, I love the motor learning classes. Like I thought they were the greatest things ever. And then 
you tie them in with gait. So once we got into biomechanics and we learned a lot more about gait, I realized that those were two of my biggest things coming out of university that I just loved. So I tried to find a way to put them together. So I resorted to Google. (laughs) I started looking up different things to do with jobs. I wasn't ever going to go into PT or OT. I wasn't overly interested in that at the time. So I went to Google and I started Googling different things and I came across First Steps. And First Steps had already had a base with the University of Regina with their fieldwork program. So I had emailed and was wondering if they were hiring or if I could come in and volunteer and whatnot. Um, When they were looking for people to volunteer, it didn't quite work with my swim schedule. But then Sandy had to go on mat leave. So Sandy and I tie in quite nice together. So I actually got hired on for Sandy's mat leave. I was just supposed to cover for it. And I've been here for six years now. (laughs) But yeah, that's how I got involved with First Steps. Oh, that's awesome. So now let's talk about what's your favorite part about working at First Steps? Oh, you guys, that's so hard to answer. I love the atmosphere that First Steps has created. It's fun. It's open. It's always encouraging. I enjoy having the freedom and the ability to try new things and experiment for what works with the client. Like if it's safe for you, it's safe for the client. You can give it a go to try and like tap into those different muscle groups and sensory systems and everything. And I love the push and encouragement that we get to try and learn and advance ABT. I think it's really important in our field to keep going forward. The technology side of everything is doing fantastic. There's so much out there to help via technology, but the ABT side is still slowly growing. So I really like that there's a big push and encouragement here to just go for it. Mm-hmm. No, that's what we want to have at Ryu as well, is just keep pushing forward and really let's move Canada forward with all this ABT and become a real big leader. So we love that you guys are doing that too. Yes, high five to you guys. Love that. Yeah. So you started off with the adults, obviously, because that's what you guys were doing for the majority of when First Steps was open. So when did you transition into the kids side of things? Yeah, so I did start out with just the SEI and then we had some stroke clients come in and I was interested in stroke. When I did my fieldwork with the university, I actually did my fieldwork over in Australia and they have some phenomenal programs over there. They were at the time quite ahead of Canada, to be honest. Um, I also work in a children's physical rehab center for about two weeks when I was over there. And I got to do a lot with cerebral palsy. So that really opened my eyes and my learning to that. And so when I was originally talking to Owen before he had hired me, he had this idea already about the children's program. And it was always kind of, that's what I would always transition to when we got there. Very cool. So can you give us some timelines? So you started six years ago at First Steps. And then I guess, did you transition right when the, I guess the kids program opened? Yes. So we did all of our fundraising and grants and whatever we needed to start it up. And then, yeah, I lead the children's side of it. So I do all the kids assessments. I run the programs. Yeah, I went right over right away because we were a little bit slow in the beginning with getting people on board, as we just previously talked about. I split my time between the two sides, but I would say 95% of my time right now is the children's side. 
Very cool. So we've been talking about these sides. Is your center split up to have a side for kids and have a side for adults? Yes. So when we acquired the second portion of our facility, we did a lot of research into it and talked to other professionals. And so we built two separate rooms so that they're not actually out in the facility, especially if you have kids with sensory processing disorders and like lighting issues. So we have in our rooms, you can like dim the lights, so then uh, the whole facilities in the dark. Yeah. Our rooms are a little bit more enclosed, but we have like big, big windows so that the parents can be in there. The kids can still see out and what's going on. So we really wanted to tap into not only like the motor side, but very much the sensory side, because you need both of them to create that beautiful neurological change. You have two separate rooms. And then, I mean, wherever our equipment is that we need to use, we can go and use it. But yeah, we do try and keep it quite separate. Yeah, that just helps with a lot of the focus and eliminating the distractions as well, right? 100%. All right, so let's dive into a little bit more about the training and the methods you guys use. So you talked about, you know, cerebral palsy and the sensory processing disorders. And as we know, activity-based therapy doesn't work super well with just that. So what other, I guess, added on top do you guys have? So for the staff that work on the children's side, we have the TheraSuit training. So we have their regular and advanced methods. And then we took the Muscatova Neurosensory Motor Reflex Integration. So that's MNRI. We've taken one and a half courses right now. We're waiting on part two. So we took postural and dynamic reflex integration. And then we have part one of two of neurotactile. So the reflexes, I very much feel really brought everything together. So Nancy, you were talking about how ABT just doesn't potentially hit all of those different factors I think the reflexes have really brought it together for us like I think that's something that a lot of facilities are missing is just that little bit of extra sensory integration proprioception changes absolutely everything Mm -hmm. it's really tied a lot together and then we also have an FES bike and then we use the excite and then Yeah, actually, that's about it. That's all the big, big methods that we're trained to do. Cool. Would you say for people who have just independently one of those pieces of training, like you said, it pulls it all together, but does it allow you to, I guess, go outside the boxes of that specific training to really meld it all together nicely? Yes. So personally, for me, when we took the TheraSuit, I loved it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so fantastic. Like, I can't wait to go and do this. And then as I worked with more and more kids and different neurological or neuromuscular conditions, I realized I was missing just a little bit more. And then TheraSuit doesn't offer more advanced training at this point in time. So we found MNRI and MNRI has a ton of different courses. They even do like family conferences. I think it really enhanced my way to work with the TheraSuit method as well. Mm-hmm. The TheraSuit does touch on reflexes a little bit, yeah. but it's kind of like the big five and that's kind of about it. Whereas MNRI, from my research as well, it just goes so, so much more in depth. Yeah, those five main ones to get up against gravity, though, they're the key ones. Yeah, exactly. So just stepping stones to continue building your platform. And I think it speaks to how much 
as a therapist to continue to grow in this field and this area, you really have to go out and find the training to continue progressing like as a professional. Yeah, 100%. So I like to call it my toolbox so that I can just continuously add into it and take out maybe what I need or don't need. I feel especially with kids, like no injury is ever going to be the same. And all children are so different. So you really got to find what they're trying to tell you they need and also what you see that they need. Mm-hmm, for sure. Very nicely put. Yeah. <laughs> so let's dive into your kids program a little bit more. So who is it for? And what's the main demographic that you guys are serving currently? Okay, so we work with six months and older. So any child that's experiencing developmental delays has cerebral palsy, spina bifida, post stroke, brain injury, spinal cord, sensory integration or processing disorders, developmental coordination disorders, and honestly, any type of movement disorder, just give us a call and we'll do our best to help you. Very nice. And then is there any contraindications to participating in your program? So are there any limitations to things that you wouldn't be able to qualify to go into program? I think just within the different methods. So like a hip subluxation greater than 50%. If you have severe scoliosis or like a joint contracture, there's certain things. So like the Therasute or the FES bike that we wouldn't use. But other than that, no. Like the, And there's precautions to everything, but like there's always something that you can do. Mm-hmm. So why do an intensive? What's different for an intensive versus coming regularly? So there's a ton of research out there stating that intensives have been proven to be the most effective way to gain and obtain a long lasting outcome. Since the body is technically behind in development for the children that we would see, an intensive is a great way to catch up on that learning. So with an intensive, I just find, and again, research shows that you learn and retain way more. So there becomes a lot less time needed to do the overall prep work. So if you're going to go to therapy once a week, bi-weekly, monthly, whatever it's going to be, your exercise therapist has to do a lot of prep work for the body that it's going to go into to produce whichever movement pattern that you're currently working on. So I find that when you set up an intensive You don't have to do all the prep work every day. You can constantly progress day after day and add a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And what you get at the end of it, most kids can do a new skill by the end of four weeks, right? Where with traditional therapy, that might take up to a year because the therapist does have to go in and prep the body to be able to do all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Good to know. So, I mean, if you want to think about it, like you're starting at the bottom of 10 step staircase every time, if you're doing that once a week, you have to start at the bottom step. But whereas with the intensive, you don't necessarily have to start at the bottom step every time you might get halfway up the step and then you're going to get to the top of the stairs, which is your new skill. Yeah. So exactly. So if we're going to use 10 steps, like maybe like going once a week for a month or two months, you do, you have to start at the bottom of the step and then that step is now completed. So you get to move to step two. But yeah, with with an intensive, you're just creating an environment where the body can consistently evolve and retain the information from the days before. So let's go into a little bit more of the benefits of the intensive program. So we've talked about gaining that skill, but what are the other, I guess, benefits that either you've seen with kids you've worked with or just overall in general? So I guess, do you see benefits beyond just the motor tasks? Yes. So the confidence, 
the confidence in the child and the smile that they get on their face is honestly, it's absolutely priceless. So because you're doing an intensive and you can progress from the day before the child's constantly learning and the confidence that comes from that, instead of having to redo the same thing over and over and over, I find is a massive benefit for them. I feel like they want to be here more. You make it fun. You integrate play. It becomes part of their routine. And then all of a sudden their face is just beaming because they jumped for the first time and they had no idea that they could do it. Yeah, that's what we love about it too, is we call it play with purpose, Yeah, right? It's not you're coming for therapy to work out like an adult because kids are not mini adults. They're not, <laughs> right? So you have to make it fun. You have to go above and beyond to really engage with them. But yeah, like you say, that confidence is huge. And we see it with the kids we work with too. Is like, that's the light bulb moments where it's like, wow, they realize for themselves that they can do it. Yeah. And so I 100% agree with you. Like, I think the benefit goes to their outside world from here, like whether that's at home or with friends or at school. Like, I think that that just transitions into everything else once they're done the intensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the carryover is huge. And I think that's where the families start to see the benefit as well. And the snowball effect we were talking about earlier is like all the families start talking and they start seeing it. And, you know, that's where the word spreads. Absolutely. All right. So let's say, you know, you have a new family coming in. What can they expect from an intensive kind of from the intake, from the communication side? So I don't know, Sandy, if you want to jump in here, that initial communication aspect of the setting up the intensive. Yeah, I think it changes family to family. So we have some people that are very forward planners and they've talked to us before their child's even born with spina bifida. (laughs) The ones that are like, oh, hey, can we come for an intensive in July? And it's June 28th. So <laughs> it's really, really different for every family. So I guess that's my job is to try to make whatever we can work and set up, you know, what really works for each kid. And and maybe that's three hours a day, five days a week. Maybe it's two hours a day. Maybe it's an hour in the morning and then it's two hours in the afternoon. So just trying to really be flexible with that. And once that's kind of all set up, then we try to book her an assessment in with Erica and she kind of takes over that role. So her and another therapist here at First Steps, Taylor, they are the main two that work with all our children that come through and have that training along with myself. But I tend to only get out on the floor maybe a little less than I'd like to, but sometimes I guess Erica can come over here and kind of let you know what some of the other stuff we work on with the intensives is. So we're always looking to establish a new and correct pathological movement pathway. So we're looking to retrain the nervous system, provide that external feedback and stabilization, normalize the muscle tone, provide the tactile stimulation, work with the vestibular system, improve balance and coordination. So we have kind of a routine that we always start with within the intensive like again to prep the body and then you'd move into your range of motion your core your strength training your play your reflexes whatever it might be like the toolbox is there and then because every kid is different we go off with the kid so definitely a very individualized program that tailors directly to the child you're working with 100 percent. so are there success stories that you guys would be willing to share with us of like different children or families or that kind of thing? Yeah, so 
Oh, I find this one so hard to answer because there's so many cool things. We have a 15-year-old here right now, and he has spastic cerebral palsy. Mm-hmm. And his movements on his own are very jerky. They're very jittery. It takes probably between 6 to 10 to 15 seconds for him to produce a movement that we ask. Mm-hmm. But if you go in the universal exercise unit, and you provide just a little bit of weight as a proprioceptive measure, mm-hmm. he can produce a movement over and over and over again with maybe a one to two second delay. Yeah. Like, to me, I just think that that's amazing. And I think, okay. I think the outside world doesn't sometimes understand how fantastic that really is. But I just like, that's a massive, massive change. And because he's consistently working on that, his movements at home and at school have gotten much more clear and concise. We have kids who came in here and they couldn't hold their head up. They couldn't sit on their own. They could only lay on their back. Like they just would melt into the floor if they were on their stomach. And now they're sitting, they're standing, they're talking. They're scooting, they're running, like there's just so many different things that this program gives to the family and the kid. There's so many success stories, whether it's holding your head up or walking, they're all just so important and massive milestones. Yeah, I think that's the thing to really hone in on is that it doesn't, you don't have to jump from, you know, not walking to walking. It's all the little stuff in between that is really big for function day to day and for the families. It has more meaning than just walking by yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that that's something that if you're not directly involved with it, you kind of forget, like, again, like the outside world. But here, like, we just, we celebrate everything, absolutely everything. We celebrate every little milestone, every big milestone, because it absolutely means the world to the kid and the family. Oh, man. I'm sitting here with, like, the biggest smile on my face for, like, the last five minutes while you're talking. Oh, I'm so cute. <laughs> I just love it so much, right? Like, there's so much potential for recovery. And, I mean, you know, we see the same kind of successes at ReU, and it is hard to translate that to the public. But... It is so important to celebrate all these mini victories that lead up to the huge milestones. And we love that you guys are doing it because it just gives, like you said, it infuses the kids with confidence. And that's really what makes the biggest difference in their quality of life. So keep at it, man. This is awesome. Sandy, from your side, do you have a different perspective on success stories? Or is it kind of the same thing? No, I mean, I think it would be the same thing that I have been able to work on the floor with them but I also get to talk to the families a lot and see what really that change creates at home so you know she talks about somebody being able to hold their head up well you know what that does that allowed the mom to be able to put her kid sitting in a grocery cart when they go to a store instead of laying in the bottom of a dirty cart you know where do you put your groceries then with a four-year-old who takes up the entire cart or when you get home you can sit him on a chair and he can sit there instead of laying on a dirty floor and just being able to have those life-changing things it really means the world to a lot of families and I get to really dive into that with the parents and stuff so while Erica and Taylor are busy on the floor working their magic I get to hear a lot of those success stories or you know I get to take the video while they're working with the kids and 
you know, a little girl that for their very first time is taking 20 steps across the facility by herself when the day before at home, she wouldn't do more than one. And seeing that smile on like the dad's face or whoever's there with them. So I think that's the really neat side of it for me. And just trying to get that word out to the public and how best we can do that as ABT community centers across Canada. Like how do we continue to spread the word that this therapy is available in Edmonton and Regina and everywhere else and really make a difference for all these kids before they're 18 or you know 12 and fully grown and these movements are so much harder to start and overcome mm-hmm. yeah I mean I always say like if I had a shrink ray I would shrink everybody about the size of a three-year-old because they're so much easier to work with <laughs> it's so much easier for them to just learning these new movements and new functions and and use them in their everyday life. We find a lot of the adults that go home, they may be already set in their ways of a little bit of couch potato. (laughs) And (laughs) if they can move, they want to move. And they will continue to do it all day long until they go to bed. And they'll do it again the next day. So it's really, really neat seeing the kids' side of things. I also just find the quality of life for the entire family, not only the client. It drastically changes. So being able to leave your 14 or 15 year old kid at home for an hour while you go run out and get groceries where before you had to worry about them like that's that's not only life changing for the kid to have that independence and that increase in quality of life like it changes for the family and then listening and helping families go through and guide on what is actually possible for the child and the family right like a lot of the times the picture is painted pretty bleak but if you start to scratch away at it like there's a lot of color in there and there's a lot that can come out of it and there's a lot of opportunity for again the child and the family to advance to what they had no idea would ever be possible Mm -hmm. Mm no I agree 100 percent right the development and neuroplasticity it's a very untapped field or area I think just Mm -hmm. in general so the more we dive into it the more we realize wow it's got you know, really no limits. Yes, uh, absolutely. And it's so nice to see that Canada's starting to get more facilities like First Steps and Ryu, and that companies and families and big supporters are starting to get behind it and realize that like, I mean, we've helped out with a few research projects before. And I love that these researchers are getting behind it and not only supporting what we do, but involving us like again, like technology is way way ahead of abt in general but without abt technology can't overly progress either so i love that we're starting to come together and make these developments for the client yeah we are in support of that too and we've just noticed that over the last few years going to different conferences lots of researchers and clinicians want that lived experience they want to talk to people who and families who are living this like what do you want researched why do you want it researched how can we benefit and improve your quality of life with the work that we're doing and i think like that with that marriage of lived experience and research and clinicians it's going to produce some studies with like excellent results which are going to impact many, many lives in the coming years, which is super exciting. And we love being a part of this as well. And I love that you guys are leading the way with this. It's really been inspiring, really, to watch you guys grow and for us to kind of follow in those footsteps. Well, that is exceptionally kind of you to say. Thank you so much. But yeah, like I love 
learning. I think everybody should be learning all the time. And I love seeing what these researchers are doing. And I'm just thrilled if we ever get to be a part of it. And I'm sure you guys are the exact same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're wrapping up to the last couple of questions here. So Erica, do you have any advice for other specialists working with children with either sensory processing disorders or that neuromuscular movement disorder? My advice would be to read. Never stop learning. Use what works for you. Remember that proprioception is way more than what you think it is, and it solves almost all the problems. Always remember proprioception. But I think the biggest thing is, I always call it the triangle. So your sensory and motor systems have to work together. So without a fully functioning sensory system, you don't actually have the correct motor pattern and vice versa. And that's what creates that neurological change. So remember that not just creating a motor pattern over and over and over that's not going to create the lasting change. You have to figure out a way to increase the sensory so that the body's constantly learning and getting more feedback. Very good advice. Mm -hmm. All right. And then Sandy, we'll talk to you about future plans for first steps and the direction you guys are headed and going. I think we just want to keep like learning and building on our program. A big thing for first steps is We've always tried to be involved in the community as well, whether it be wheelchairs at the legislature or, you know, running adaptive physical activity symposiums. So I think it's just a big thing is trying to stay a leader in the community for individuals to have a place to fall back on or to get increased knowledge. And we want to continue to fund our grant programs and grow that so we can continue to offer a reasonably priced therapy. And I would love it, love it if one day we could do the same for our adult side. So I know it seems a little bit backwards that we haven't done that for them yet, but we do find it puts a lot of strain on adults as well, but they do tend to have a little bit more of a network if they've been injured as they're older or whatever, you know, their situation might have come to be. And also more of a chance that they would have insurance. So we've kind of worked backwards on getting the kids funding before the adults, but we would definitely love to be able to help with the cost of some of our therapy as we continue to grow and potentially one day get some government funding. I think that would be the dream for every Mm -hmm. community-based program. Yep you know, get some backing and just continue to be part of the healthcare system because it's so important, you know, like neuroplasticity is going to continue to happen whether you're six months out from an injury or five years out and that's common knowledge now. So let's get some funding, get some people continuing their lifelong rehab because let's be honest, most of their journey is going to be in the community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's kind of where we'd like to go with our goals. Very cool. And is Regina the only one of your centers that has a kids program currently? Winnipeg does as well. So they have a physiotherapist out of Winnipeg that runs it there. She's highly trained in the TheraSuit method there. She's on her way to being one of the instructors for TheraSuit. So we run that there. And then currently when Sherbrooke Quebec opens they are not planning on having a children's program but we'll see where that goes in the future once they're up and running. So both Regina and Winnipeg have kids programs as well as the adult side. Yes yeah. Awesome. Okay well thank you Erica and Sandy for joining us on this episode. 
We learned so much about first steps and we love encouraging other centers in Canada. We really want Canada to get out of the dark ages and neuro recovery and really be in the forefront. And it's centers like yours that are leading the way with us and have paved the path for centers like us to be able to lead that way too. And so we are so fortunate to have you guys here. We would love to have you back. Uh, We wish you nothing but the best in your kids program and adult program. And if you're listening and you're in the Saskatchewan area and you have a neurologic condition, definitely hit these guys up and let them help you improve your quality of life. So Erica and Sandy, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. And and thank you for having something like this podcast to just continue getting the word out across Canada and the U.S. It's just, you know, one more step towards all of our goals and stuff. So thank you. Yeah, it's our pleasure to be able to share information. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. As always, we would greatly appreciate if you could subscribe, leave us a five-star review, and a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, as this helps us increase our reach. And stay tuned for another episode coming at you in two weeks.